0: to invite you to stand with us and at home we welcome you as you watch. We, this is the Sunday just before Remembrance Day and we want to honor the sacrifice of veterans in the past. We want to honor our military and peacekeeping forces of the present and we want to be able to start our service this morning singing our national anthem. Would you join us?
1: Oh, Canada. Ah.
2: Good morning. Nice to see you this morning. You look so well rested. I don't know about you, but I always change my clocks early, but still pretend it's the, you know, the old time. So then I, you know, right. It's like they say, like all the things you were punishments as a kid are rewards now, right. Like vegetables and going to bed early and, and, and being alone in your room, right. All those things. So anyway, good to see you this morning. Why don't you turn for a moment, say hi to someone before you can sit down today. Awesome. You may be seated Couple of announcements for you this morning. As uh, indicated last week, our intention now, as uh, we're moving along into the fall, and as things are reopening a little bit more and more, and the weather is turning colder outside, uh, we're ready to to take the step of allowing you to do visitation inside. And so, I just want to outline to you, just really quickly, what that's going to look like. So, as of today you are welcome to visit with people inside the sanctuary. Uh, you can also, also continue to visit outside because it's a nice day today too. So, but if you want to do that, but if you want to visit inside here, uh, you can. And if you stay too long, I'll just tell you to go home. I'm turning off the lights now and then you can, you can move along. But you can stay in here, you can visit. So we just ask that you keep your mask on if you're visiting inside and you also respect uh, physical distancing. And also, don't touch anybody. No, that's good. Like, don't touch anybody. Don't, don't hug anybody. Don't shake hands with people. Don't fist bump them. Just keep your distance. Keep your mask on. Enjoy your visit. But, but don't, don't touch people. So, um, and that's probably a good rule sort of kind of moving forward. Unless people are inviting you to touch them, it's probably not a good idea to do it anyway. But just during now is important. Another important thing is please do not visit in the foyer area. Now, the reason we're asking you not to do that is because the foyer area, with the way it's set up right now, doesn't have a lot of space. And if you visit there, it's going to become congested for people when they want to move through. So keep your visiting either in here or out there but uh, on the parking lot, but please don't visit in the foyer area in between the two spaces, okay? So as of today, you can do that and uh, enjoy that, and I know... Um, You know, the one thing through all of this is just seeing you lingering on the parking lot after, uh, because that has always been such an important part of who we are here at Evangel is is being able to connect with each other. So uh, hopefully this will help us do that a little bit better. The second announcement I have is in terms of, um, uh, as of today, poinsettias for Christmas are on sale. You can place one here in the church during the Christmas season in memory of someone or in honor of someone. And uh, there are two ways that you can do that. You can pick up a form on your way in, and you can fill out the information, put your exact change or a check inside an envelope, and then leave it in the offering plate as you exit on Sunday morning. So that's one way you can do it. Another way you can do it, which is a lot simpler if you wish, is that you can actually send it through e-transfer to giving at epcoakville.com, And then in the memo line of the e-transfer, just put in whose memory or in whose honor uh, the poinsettia or poinsettias are being placed, and then we'll make sure that uh, we have record of that. So you can do it in those two ways. Now, I found out this morning that there are two numbers uh, on the form. Now, have you ever noticed when you're gassing up your car? I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm bored and I read all the stuff that's on the pump. Anyone ever do that? And it says that if there's a discrepancy between what it says there, and you know, and whatever, then the lower amount is effective. Okay, that's not the way it works with the poinsettias. Okay, on the, on the form, it's the opposite. It says eight dollars in one place and seven in another. So clearly, that number got missed in in updating the form for this year. Uh, what we charge for the poinsettias is what we actually pay for the poinsettias. So it's not a money maker for us at all. In fact, sometimes we actually have the top it up a little bit so uh, point setters are $8 this year so that's the amount so if you're confused by the two numbers it's the higher one so alrighty anyway thank you very much I'm uh, going to hand it back to Carlene continue to worship kids JK to grade 5 you are free to go your leaders uh, and have a good morning Carlene off to you
0: would you join me to pray before we begin to worship together Holy Spirit, we don't want to ever just put in time. We have set this time aside with intentionality for a purpose. And I pray that as we sing songs that lift you up, that remind us of who you are and who you are in our lives, I ask that you would soften our hearts, that you would tune our hearts That you would be able to accomplish what you need to accomplish in us this morning we set aside these next moments and we ask that you would have free reign here that you would be lifted high and we pray for this in jesus name you may remain seated as we teach you a new song we'll invite you to join us later in the song
1: my strength <laughs>
0: through the fire it doesn't mean we don't go through the water it doesn't mean that every mountain we ask to be moved is moved but it does mean that you are our very present help in the middle of it that we are not abandoned we don't walk this life by ourselves and we never have that you are faithful and you can be trusted that our inheritance and our reward and our life is in you. And as a body, we ask this morning that Holy Spirit, you would build our trust. You would forgive us of our lack of trust, that your grace and your mercy would be our portion yet again, that you would realign our eyes and our trust to know that you are our very present help in whatever state of life we find ourselves now. Amen. Would you remain standing for the reading of his word?
2: Our scripture reading this morning is found in Numbers chapter 11, verses 16 and 17. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. And I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Thank you. You may be seated. I don't know about you, but I love a good meme. <laughs> In fact, I have a very small circle of people, mostly my kids and a friend, that I share funny memes with on a daily basis. We just sort of share them back and forth to each other. Some of my recent favorites are, are these. I, I, I love this one. 2021 irony, a person needs a health pass to eat at McDonald's. I thought that was funny. Another one was this. The doctor asked me to spend at least one hour a day on the treadmill. Now this one is one of my all-time favorites. Mom getting kids ready for church, mom at church. I'm just saying my kids love that one too. Now there's one that I find both funny and sad at the same time, and it fits with what we're going to talk about today, it's a text message. I'm here for you. Thanks, I'm going through a tough time, so it means a lot. And sorry, I lost my contacts, who is this? This is your Uber driver, I'm here to pick you up. Today is the third week of our four-week sermon series entitled, In the Meantime, Navigating Difficult Transitions. Now, throughout this series, we've said that there are realities, attitudes, emotions that we experience during life's difficult transitions that can delay us, even keep us from experiencing what God wants to accomplish. And we're referring to these throughout this series as pitfalls. Now, it's critically important that we identify these pitfalls so that we can successfully navigate our way through them without missing out on what it is that God intends for us. And so we're using the transition of the, of the Israelites from Egypt to the promised land as a case study of, to identify some of these pitfalls. So in week one, we considered the pitfall of complaining, specifically how complaining and trust are, are connected, the relationship between them. In week two, which was last week, we considered the pitfall of disappointment, and its impact on both the disappointed person and those who bear the brunt of their disappointment. Now today we're going to be considering the pitfall of, of loneliness or feeling alone. And so today we are going to be reminded that even though difficult circumstances often isolate us from others, God's intention for us is to do life with the support of of others. And so our scripture outlines Moses' struggle with feeling alone and how God responded to him. So let's start with looking at this idea of alone. Today is our third week focusing on Numbers chapter 11. And it may be good or bad news, but as of next week, we'll be out of Numbers 11. And so we saw in the first week that the Israelites were demanding they had needs, they had wants, they had cravings even, that they wanted God to provide for them uh, to give them what they wanted. And so God delayed his response, we said, in order to teach them the importance of learning to trust him, to rely on him, to show them that they couldn't make it on their own. Now, as a result, we saw that the people were disappointed with God, and they expressed their disappointment by complaining we looked at the fact that Moses was the one who bore the brunt of their complaining. He was their visible leader. He was God's spokesperson. He was accessible to them. He was their mediator between them and God. And so then in the second week, we saw that their disappointment spread like a virus through the camp and reached the point that people from every family were wailing at the entrance of their tents, crying out throughout the camp their disappointment was unrestrained and it garnered momentum and it was engulfed the whole community. Now we considered specifically how the complaining and disappointment affected Moses and we said he was troubled and we also said that troubled means that he was Means to break into pieces. And so, what Moses was experiencing was a breakdown. He's overwhelmed with the weight of leading these people, and he's on the verge of emotional collapse. He's at a breaking point. He never wanted this job. He tried to tell God that he was not qualified to do the job, but God insisted he do it. And so, Moses was breaking under the burden of the weight of the complaining and the disappointment that was directed at him. Now, as part of Moses' prayer rant to God, he made a statement, and that's where we're focusing today. He said, I cannot carry all of these people by myself. I can't do it by myself. Now, the key words here are these two words, by myself. Moses felt alone. He felt like he was carrying the weight and of the burden all alone, and it was destroying him. And so he understood this whole sense of isolation, loneliness, he felt alone. The second thing we see in our scripture is support. Despite the hardship that the Hebrews experienced in Egypt, God was at work to fulfill the promise that he had made to Abraham. Now Moses was central To that plan. And so, despite being born a Hebrew, Moses grew up as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And as the son of royalty, he received the best education, the best training, the the best skills and experiences that one could have at that time. God used Pharaoh's resources and finances to equip Moses for a job that lay somewhere down the road. God took these terrible circumstances and used them to create a future for his people. And so as we read the story of Moses, we see that one day, Moses was minding his father-in-law's sheep, and God spoke to him through a burning bush. God told him he wanted him to return back to Egypt and to lead his people out of their misery to the land that he had promised Abraham. Now, as we've said, Moses didn't want to do it. He didn't feel qualified to do it, but God made it clear that it was gonna be his power, God's power, that would give Moses what he needed to to do this task. And so, through God's power, we, we see the story unfolding that Moses was able to lead the Hebrews out of Egypt. God had equipped him, God had called him, and God had empowered him. The perfect package of spiritual leadership. Now daily, on top of all of that, Moses experienced the presence of God. Daily, God spoke to him directly. Daily, God intervened in so many different miraculous ways, yet the pain of bearing the burden of leadership, despite all of that, was still too much for Moses. Now, as I look at that, I realize, you know what? God could have responded to Moses this way. He could have said, you know what? Seriously, Moses, I prepared you for this. I called you to this. My power has been demonstrated through you all throughout this journey. Do I need to remind you of all the moments? I'm with you every moment of the day, Moses. You can see the cloud and the, and the fire by night. Every day I speak to you audibly. Uh, you know, Scripture says as, as a man talks to a man, that's what our relationship is like. Is that not enough for you? Why is that not enough for you? Stop whining and get on with the task at hand. I mean, that's what God could have very easily said to Moses. That could have been God's response. But he didn't respond that way. God agreed with Moses. He agreed. Because God didn't create humanity as a whole to be alone. Even words from the creation story, it is not good to be alone. And so he didn't, Create us to be alone. And so he's not arguing with Moses. He's not pointing out why Moses needs to have a better and more positive outlook. He said, yeah, I get it. I agree. Moses said, I can't do this by myself. And God said, you will not have to do this by yourself. And so God responded with a plan. God says, we're going to expand the leadership from you, just you, and we're going to invite 70 elders or others who are capable of helping you to come alongside and help. And so he said, bring them with you. When you come to the tent of meeting you know, where my presence is, where I meet with you and talk with you on a daily basis, when you come there, I want you to bring these others with you and when they come, I am going to empower them as I've empowered you and then they will help you to do this because yes, Moses, this is too much for you to do by yourself. There are two observations that I'd like to draw from our scripture today regarding the pitfall of isolation and loneliness. The first is feelings. During difficult transitions and circumstances, we often feel overwhelmed. We feel isolated. We feel lonely. We feel like we're on our own by ourselves. It feels like no one cares at times and we're about to be consumed by the pain of our circumstances. Now, we often experience these emotions when we experience certain things, like when we're dealing with the grief of losing someone we love. When someone we love has passed away, there's an incredible sense of loneliness. When a relationship comes to an end, we experience loneliness. Retirement, surprisingly, but probably only surprising for those of us who haven't reached it yet, can be very lonely. I remember at one point having the leader of our denomination attending the congregation that I was pastoring didn't see him a lot during his working years because he was traveling all over the world. He knew people all over the world. He was always around people, always traveling. But then he retired and I saw him more often. And I remember one day saying to him, so how's retirement going? And he said, Shannon, I'm as lonely as a toad. I'm as lonely as a toad. I'm used to having people around me and all of a sudden I'm by myself. Sometimes changing jobs and you're going into a work, place and you don't know anybody. Sometimes you're starting a new school or you're starting university or college and it's a whole new environment. Sometimes it's because you're a senior and your family doesn't necessarily have the time to be around you as much as, as you'd like and you, you tend to spend a lot of time by yourself. I can only imagine the loneliness of those who were in long-term care homes during COVID and, and had zero contact uh, for most of that time, some only through a window. Loneliness. Sometimes it's when you move to a new city and you don't know people. Sometimes it's when you're the subject of discrimination and, in many different ways. Sometimes it's when life's burdens seem too heavy to carry. And sometimes some of the most lonely moments come when you're in a crowd. Now, we're not alone in those feelings, pun intended. We're not alone in those feelings. As I look at Scripture, there are some very good examples in Scripture of those that we deem to be very spiritual, who struggle with feelings of being overwhelmed and alone. I'm going to remind you of them quickly. In Psalm 69, David is ranting he says, God, I'm drowning. Everything that's going on around me, everything that's coming at me, is too much, and I'm, I'm burdened and I'm overwhelmed, and, and, and I'm underwater and I'm drowning here. And in fact, later in the, in the psalm, he even, he even says this He goes, I'm strangers even to my family. I'm a stranger to my family. I don't have anybody. I don't have anybody. I'm all alone. We're probably more familiar with First Kings chapter nineteen, when Elijah, after all those amazing moments, right after the showdown, uh, you know, with Baal, and uh, on the mountain, and God just comes through, and it's amazing, and he's on a high, and all of a sudden he finds out that Jezebel is going to kill him, and he's and he's exhausted, and he's there, and he says, "God, I have had enough." I want to die. And by the way, I'm the only one left. I'm alone, God. I'm lonely. I'm by myself. It's just me. Jeremiah chapter 20. He says, curse be the day I was born. Well, why would he say that? Because he is God's instrument to communicate a message to people. And sometimes when God wants you to communicate a message you know, it's 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 not always the message people want to hear, right? I can relate to that sometimes. It's not the message we want to hear, and so he's communicating a message, and the message he's communicating is is bad news. But it's the news God wants him to say. He God says you need to tell him that this is what's happening and this is what's coming, and and so here he is, this young man this voice crying out in the midst of all of this telling all these people and they're responding to him in negative ways and and he even gets to the point he goes I don't even want to do this anymore I don't want to prophesy anymore that's it I quit and then the next verse he goes well I can't really quit because there's a fire in my bones and I, I I don't know how to stop doing this so he decides he's not quitting but he feels like quitting and he feels like he's alone because he's the one voice speaking for God in the midst of all of this and they're pushing back against them, and it's really hard for him. In Mark chapter 15, we see Jesus on the cross. Now we can take this and shift the theology a little bit and we even sing some songs about it that personally I feel are theologically incorrect. But Jesus said in quoting a psalm, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The reality is is sometimes we think God turned his back on Jesus. There's nowhere in scripture to indicate that God ever turned his back on Jesus. Ever turned his back. But we do have an understanding that there are moments in Jesus' humanity of hanging on the cross and suffering that it felt like he was alone. That it felt like he was alone. And in those moments expressing that, When saying, why have you abandoned me? Everyone has abandoned me. And I'm hanging here in front of enemies and I'm all alone. Now, I don't know about you, but I am personally thrilled that these examples exist in scripture because they confirm that the isolation and the loneliness and the overwhelming sense of discouragement that we experience during painful transitions and circumstances are not only common, they're actually okay. They're okay. As I was reading this, I had this funny thought. Well, funny for me, I thought, you know what? If faith movement people were in charge of writing scripture, none of these people would have made it in there. (laughs) Because it defies all of that, right? That, that, that toxic positivity that you have to somehow say all the words and, and pretend that it's all okay and, and you know, because the words you say and all these things. No, these are spiritual giants. One of them is Jesus, by the way, who's expressing the pain and burden of leadership and abandonment and isolation and a sense of loneliness. And I believe they're in our scripture, so that you and I, when we experience the same thing, can say, okay, I'm not alone in this. It's not just me that feels this way. That this is actually a common way of experiencing these things, and it's okay. Secondly, community. Like Moses, we can experience God's presence daily. We can pray. We can read the Bible. We can see the Holy Spirit miraculously at work in our lives, yet still need the support of others. And I want you to know today that God doesn't view that as him not being enough for you. In the same way that he didn't interpret it that way from Moses. He doesn't interpret it that way from you either. He created you, he created me to do life with other people. He designed you to live out your life and purpose in the context of community. We were not created to do life alone. We were created to do life in community. Community is important. Yes, we need God We need God desperately, but we also need each other. We need each other. Now, there are a few reasons that I want to leave with you this morning that identify why it is important that we do life with others in community. The first is accountability. Within the community of faith, within the church, We hold one another accountable. Why? Because we love each other. That's why. Because we love each other, we don't want to see harm come to others. And so we're willing to risk risk the awkwardness. We're willing to endure the inconvenience and the rejection to relationally speak truth Because we care so much about another person that we cannot bear to see harm come to them. Community provides us with an environment to be accountable. And it has been my experience. This may surprise you, but when I do personality testing, a common thing that comes up is says, Shannon has an unusual ability to tell people what he's thinking. To speak the truth and not be afraid to do that. It's, I mean, who knew? Shocked to me. I thought, seriously, I think this is broken. I think we need, to, we need to redo this one. Why? Because speaking truth is one of the most amazing gifts we can give to each other with the intention of helping each other. But my experience has been this many people who are being held accountable disappear from community because they don't want to be held accountable. And so they go into isolation to avoid it. But God created us to live in community and one of the reasons is so that we could lovingly hold each other accountable so we can grow and become who he wants us to be and strengthen the community of Christ that we're a part of. If you're not a part of community, then you don't have accountability. Secondly, care. You've heard me say many times there's a difference between caring about others and caring for others. They're two very, very different things. I mean, you can can sincerely care about people but never be moved to take action. I mean, you may really care about world hunger but never do anything about it. You may care about climate change but you don't do anything about it. We pray for people because we care about them. We ask people, you know, how you are, how you doing, because we care about them. But caring for people causes us to take it to another level, to take practical, tangible steps to help people by giving of our time or investing our finances, or maybe driving someone somewhere, or listening to someone when they just need to talk without advice, or just being present when they don't feel like talking at all. Caring for people will involve some level of personal sacrifice. It will involve giving up something of yourself to benefit others in the community. So we must take the initiative to come alongside others, but we also must be people who allow others access into our lives because sometimes, you know, it's, sometimes it's because people aren't caring enough to come into our lives and sometimes it's that we're so good at bolting the doors and putting the walls around us that it keeps people out and it goes both ways. It goes both ways and so we have to come alongside people but then if we're people who, who put walls up, we need to, to allow people inside those walls because sometimes people are on the outside because that's where we're keeping them and that's where we're comfortable for them to be. We're part of community so we can not just care about but we can care for. Unity. This is one of my favorite things about Community. And it's something that I probably struggle with a lot and and, I'm working through. Community teaches us the importance of doing life with people who are different than we are. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, it's easier to reach for the remote and hit off. You're canceled, you're out. I don't want to be around you because you are different than me and I don't like it. But community teaches us that it's important for us to do life with people who are different than we are. There's a lot that we don't have in common. We sit in this room today or we're listening from home and our upbringings are different. Our social status is different. Our ethnicity is different. Our education levels are different. The experiences we've had through life are different. The training we've received is different. Our health is different. Our talent level is different. Our opinions are different. But the one thing that we do have in common is that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of our lives. That's what we have in common in a Christ-centered community. And sometimes we spend too much energy focusing on our differences talking about our differences, debating our differences, allowing our differences to put a wedge between us, and not enough energy focusing on what we have in common and coming together. EPC exists as a community because of our collective focus on Jesus. That's what makes us, that's what brings us together. Nothing else could ever have brought this group of people, this diverse group of people together. Nothing but Jesus Christ. And so community is important because it teaches us to do life with people who think and believe and act different than we do. Mission. A community exists to carry out the mission of Jesus beyond our walls into the surrounding community. I believe that we will never effectively love our community the way Jesus desires us to love. We will never be able to help our community the way Jesus desires us to help. We'll never be able to reach the community with the message of Jesus unless we are first a genuine community ourselves. I've said that before, I'll say it again. We must be a genuine community. To reach the community, we must be a community. If we are not a community, we will never reach this community. The strength and success of our mission is dependent on being a community. It's dependent on being a community. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back. True community has always been and will always be inconvenient. It's inconvenient to take what you have and give it to other people. It's inconvenient to give generously while sacrificing your own wants. It's inconvenient to be present. It's inconvenient to walk with people, not just caring about them, but caring for them in their deep pain. It's inconvenient to make time for others when we're so busy ourselves. It's inconvenient to serve. It's inconvenient to be around people who hold opinions different than ours. But community is inconvenient, but it is critically, critically important and so even though our difficult circumstances often isolate us from others god's intention is for us to do life with the support of others would you stand with us this morning carlene is going to lead us through a verse before we partake in communion today communion which is an incredible reminder to us that we are the body of Christ we are a community of Christ's followers and he is the one who has brought us together in this place in this time to serve his kingdom Carlene would you lead us
1: the cross has the final word the cross has the final word sorrow may come in the darkest night but the cross has the final Death for eternal life, and the cross has the final word. He traded death, he traded death for eternal life, and the cross has the final
2: word. Yes, amen. On your way in this morning, you would have picked up a contained communion. For many of you, you've been doing this for a while, so you're very experienced with it. But if you're here, this is the first time you've been here, just to help you a little bit, if you push down on the tab, the clear plastic will separate from the thicker plastic. And if you pull that back, you can access the waiver, and then you pull back the heavier of the two, and you access the juice. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 and 24, Paul wrote these words. He said, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of of me. I'd like to invite you to eat bread together. In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it, for every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we stand before you today and we offer up our thanks to you for your broken body and your shed blood that makes it possible for us to know you and have personal relationship with you. That not only did you bring us into relationship with yourself and with God the Father, but you have brought us into relationship with each other. And we are thankful today that of all of the illustrations that can be used in your word to describe who we are as a community, one of the most profound is that we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And so, Father, today as we stand before you, there are many in the body of Christ who need your touch today. Some need a physical healing. Some need burdens lifted. Some feel like they are traveling through the most challenging season of their lives and they feel alone and burdened and they don't know how they're going to get through. They're crying out for help. And as we stand together today, Lord, I pray that you will minister to us, that you will remind us that you are always with us, that as we sung earlier, we are never alone because you're always with us. But I pray that we will also find encouragement and strength from one another. That we will be people who will come alongside not just to care about but to take the extra steps to care for. And Lord, I pray today for those of us who at times just sometimes we don't want people to know and sometimes we just we don't know how to let people in and we feel alone yet we're keeping people out. I pray that you would help us to be able to to tear down those walls, to open those doors, and to allow people to come into our lives and and walk with us, encourage us, and strengthen us so that we don't feel alone. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this community of faith, and we pray that, that, Lord, that you would help us. We are living in very divisive times, very vocal times. Opinions vary and even within our own families and within our communities of faith and it's so easy for us to become polarized and separated from one another and to be focusing on things that tear us apart. But Lord, I pray that somehow in the midst of all of it that we would learn how to focus on what we do have in common and allow you and your Blood and your sacrifice on the cross to draw us and to make us your family. Help us, God, to navigate these days that are challenging and frustrating and overwhelming at times. So that, Lord, we may be a light and hope to this world that is in darkness. And we pray these things and we thank you for these things today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we opened our service this morning, we did acknowledge that this week upcoming on Thursday is Remembrance Day, when we take time to remember those who lost their lives throughout history, this country. And so in fitting Part of that today for us would be to end our service with the playing of the last post and a moment of silence before I dismiss you in prayer today. And so we do have a last post video that we'd like to play before we dismiss you this morning. Heavenly Father, we've paused before you and we offer up thanks for our country. Recognizing that there are many flaws, there's much brokenness and a lot of work to be done. And we pray that you would help us. We pray that you would bring healing to the brokenness of our country. We pray that your love and your mercy would flow here. We pray for your wisdom for all those who lead us. And Lord, we specifically today remember those who willingly laid down their lives at different moments in history to preserve the freedom and peace not only here but around the world. We pray today for your peace to come. And Lord, in praying for your peace to come, we join the cries from the book of Revelation crying for you to come because we know that only when the Prince of Peace comes will we really know peace in this world. Mm-hmm. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be peacemakers, to allow your love and your light to shine. And as we leave this place today, may this be, week be a week of praying and remembering specifically our country and those who so willingly sacrifice that we may know the freedoms that we have even today. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. As I said, feel free to stay and visit for a while inside or you can visit outside. It's beautiful out there right now as well. Just avoid uh, visiting in in the foyer area, please. God bless you. Have a great week. And God willing, we'll see you next Sunday.